On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about evangelism and edification. Yeah, we want to talk about the work of the church, basically, Jacob, and and what the New Testament says about the work assigned to the church, but also how the church should be doing that work. The church is important to God, and the work that God has given the church is vitally important, but how it gets done is important as well. We've got to be doing what God said in the way that he said to do it, and we're going to talk about that, and we're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you into the virtual bible study for thursday may 31st 2018 last day of may 2018 my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here hello dad hey jacob it's great to be with you tonight good to be with you monty overton is back behind the controls tonight monty welcome to the program oh jacob it's good to be here and you you're on the other end of the line tonight, and that's exactly where we want you because we'd like you to be participating with us tonight at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Anytime you may be listening to the program, if you're listening to us live, check it out the chat room and sign in and chat with other listeners there tonight. Tomorrow's the first day of June, and so I don't think it's too early for us to start announcing a, a, a big event that we're going to have here in Columbia, Tennessee in July. Okay. So it's not that far off, about six, seven weeks off. July 23rd and 24th is going to be our annual community Bible study. We'll give a lot more details about that uh, as time gets closer, but our theme this year is going to be about creation versus evolution. And we're going to have uh, David Eakin, who's a... Uh, uh, an educated scientist who will come and talk to us about the evidence for creation versus evolution. So I think this would be really important for young people. If you're anywhere close to Columbia, Tennessee, and you can be marking on your calendar July 23rd and 24th, especially if you have young people that you can bring to hear the evidence for creation, because our young people are really being challenged uh, and, and some are losing their faith over the, the unfounded claims of, uh, pseudo-scientists who are teaching evolution. Yeah. All right. So be listening for more information on that uh, and do make plans to come if you can. I saw some bumper stickers in your office still. We can still provide yeah. those. And uh, uh, our friend Kent down in Georgia requested a, a, a handful of them to oh. pass out down there hey. in, in Georgia. So All right. hopefully folks in Georgia will be seeing more signs about the virtual Bible. So here's like how a, you get yours. You send us an email with your snail mail address, and we will get one in the mail to you. What are you charging for those these days? They're still free. They're free. All right. It's a bargain at half the price. It is. All right. Um All right, so uh, get us an email with your snail mail address for those bumper stickers. All right, tonight we want to talk about an important subject, and important because it is often misunderstood in the religious world today. Yeah, we want to talk about the church, and we want to talk about the work of the church in the specific realms of evangelism and edification. We really think that there are only three broad areas that the church is authorized to work in, evangelism, We'll talk about that, spreading the gospel, sharing the truth of salvation with the lost of the world. Edification, which word means to build up or strengthen. The church has a, a, a role in building up those who are already Christians. The third area that we're not going to discuss tonight is in the realm of benevolence. We believe the church has an assignment in benevolence. It's not a broad general assignment. It's a specific assignment. We have talked before about that on the virtual Bible study, and we can, we'll probably be doing that again. But tonight we want to focus on evangelism and edification. Three areas, you say. Did you just make that up? Well, I mean, that may be my, that may be my description of categories, but I think that if, whatever you might name as a work of the church, you could fit it into one of those three broad categories. From the scriptures. From the scriptures. There you go. All right. We want to hear from you all. Hey, we've got uh, Kevin in the chat room tonight. been a long time since hey, we've been Kevin. able to announce his presence. Glad that yeah. he's there. We see Dwight, Jeff, Linda, Arthur, lots of folks uh, signing in. So sign in if you haven't 
signed in already. Here are the questions that we sent out earlier today to our update list. Always remind those who are not on our list, get on our list uh, by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. We'll be glad to do that. And so we sent out these questions. Number one, considering the scriptural organization of the church, is there any authorized way that the universal church can do work? Okay. Now, that, uh, that may be a kind of a curious question. We'll have to explain why we why we started off with that in a minute. Number two, while all agree that the church should engage in evangelism, what's the actual authority for this? You know, sometimes we take things for granted. We assume that the church is authorized to spread the gospel. Have you ever stopped to think, could you prove that if someone said, where's the Bible for that? Mm-hmm. So we're just going to do that real quick. Uh, but after you establish that the church should be doing evangelism, Number three, is there an exclusive pattern for the church to follow in doing evangelism? So that's the, our questions. Well, number four also. In regards to evangelism, would it be scriptural to use missionary societies? Would it be scriptural to use a sponsoring church arrangement? We'll have to uh, dive into those things tonight. Then flipping the uh, page over to talk about edification. Is the church authorized to engage in edification? If so, where's the authority for this work? May the church engage in sanctioning organized social, recreational, and entertainment activities as a means of edifying the members. And finally, may separate institutions like camps, retreats, student centers, Christian colleges, and so forth be maintained by churches for edification purposes. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com tonight on this important subject. Now, you mentioned authority a lot in your questions tonight, and perhaps we need to back up and talk about the need for authority before we yeah. get even any into the discussion at all. Well, I could just throw out one familiar verse, Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of or by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so it's absolutely necessary that we be able to say, we're doing this and here's why. We're doing this and this is what gives us the authority to do it. We're doing this, and here's the how. Here's the authorized how to do it. If we don't demand that, then we must accept and admit anything and everything. Right. Uh, regardless of the basis. Now, we may say, well, I think we, the church should be involved in this because look at the good that can be done. Or look at what, I think it would be great if the church did this. Or I would like it if the church did this. If it just becomes a subjective a feeling or opinion. I think we should do this because it seems to me like it's a good idea. It says, I think it'd be a really good idea Sunday if we taped a $100 bill under every seat uh, in the auditorium to see if we could get people to come. Well, I don't think there'd be any authority for it, but if you're not worried about authority, how would you object to that? People come. Yeah, how would you object if we said, you know, well... Well, there's an endless number of illustrations, but we have to have authority. It's really like the rules of the game. If if you're going to play a, a, a ball game, you have to establish the rules so that everybody knows how, how to go forward. And God has given us the rules to follow in the scriptures, and that's what we mean when we talk about Bible authority. Yeah, there's a big controversy in the denominational world today about contemporary worship or traditional worship. Yeah, in other words... Are we going to have an organ, or are we going to have a rock band? And lots of folks up in arms, so that rock band is not acceptable. Why not? Yeah. You say you like the organ, but you want the organ because you like it. They say they want the rock band because they like it. On what, on what grounds are you going to say well, the rock band is not acceptable? Yeah. Because you have thrown the demand for Bible authority out the window. And so we're going to back up to this, looking at the work of the church today, and say, We've got to have authority. Otherwise, we can't anything say goes. anything is anything not goes. permissible. Kevin makes a comment in the chat room uh, already. He says, do the ends justify the means? Well, in the mind of a lot of people, yes. In the minds of lots of religious people, the ends do justify the means. In other words, if we get a good result from it, then it must be a good thing to do. Uh, but the Bible would not uphold that How kind of reasoning. How many examples do we need of that? Uh the example of Uzzah comes to mind. A lot of good was done when Uzzah saved the ark. Saved the ark. Yeah. Man, that would have messed that thing up if it yeah. fallen off. God didn't think so. Yeah. 
so, all right. Eight, 877-381-4567 or behind the controls tonight. Monty. Well, I think a problem that we run into is people say, well, this is a good work or it, it accomplishes good results. Good based on what? The Bible scriptures tell us that the, we have given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And, and the, the Bible provides us what we need for every good work. So if it's a good work, we can read about it in the New Amen. Testament. Right. Uh, if we can't read about it in the New Testament, then it's just our opinion whether or not it's a good work. And God really is not interested in my right. opinions. I think he wants us to be obedient to his opinion and his word. Or, I think you're right about that, Monty. Second uh, Timothy 3:16 and 17 says that we're thoroughly furnished. The scriptures thoroughly furnish us to all good works. So if it's a good work. And God wants us to be at good work as God defines it, and he wants us to be doing it. The scriptures will tell us how to do it. All right. So on to uh, your questions uh, tonight. All right. So the first question might seem a little bit odd, but I, I think it will help us uh, in talking about this work of evangelism. And that is the, the question we ask is, considering the scriptural organization of the church, is there any authorized way that the universal church can do work? We talk about the universal church being the one body of saved believers worldwide. There's only one true church of our Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about that. We're talking about the universal church. There's one body, and the body is the church, Ephesians 4, 4, Ephesians 1, 22, and 23. And when we talk about the church that way, we're talking about the universal church, that, that church that's comprised of all saved believers. But the New Testament also uses the word church to identify local congregations. Now, in regards to the universal church, there's no earthly organization to the universal church. No place in the New Testament can we read about the, the universal church being organized with any sort of oversight or direction other than the fact that Jesus is the head of that church, the universal church. Jesus is the head. There is no earthly organization. And just from a very practical standpoint, if that universal church was supposed to be active and working as a, as a singular whole, the, there would have to be some organization to make it possible. The New Testament explains no organization of the universal church. There is none. The only functioning element of the Lord's church is a local congregation. Now, local congregations are organized. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 uh, verse 1 talks about the elders and the deacons and the saints that were in the church at Philippi. And so local churches can work. But here's, here's a, a, I think, a really important rule for us to stress. Any plan that you come up with to do evangelism, for instance, that activate the universal church and put it to work is not scriptural. There's no, there is no work that the universal church does or can do or is assigned to do, the only working unit of, uh, of a collectivity of Christians is a, a local congregation. Then you say that based upon what you read about in the Bible. You never read about in the Bible the, the universal church doing anything, never being activated, never being given any instructions on or commands to be engaged uh, as, a, as a universal church. Yeah, and that being the case then, all the work that God expects the church to do can and must be done through the auspices of a local congregation. Now, when we read in the New Testament, we know that local congregations were completely autonomous. Uh, Acts 4.23, there were elders in every church. Uh, elders were limited in their oversight. First Peter five verses one through three. Peter says to the elders, "Feed the flock which is among you." And so every church organized with its own elders, and the elders were limited in the work of, the, of oversight that they could do to that specific congregation where they were. Uh, and so anything that the Lord wants a collectivity of Christians to do is necessarily limited in scope to something that a local congregation can do. Anything bigger, any scheme bigger than a local church doing its own work, any scheme bigger than that is an attempt to activate the universal church, and that ought to throw red flags up in everybody's mind. Once you go beyond the scope of a local congregation working and try to try to organize that on some scale bigger than the local congregation, you have surpassed the authority of the scriptures. And that, that's right. That's not just you don't like it 
or you'd rather not. This is the scriptures provide us no authority. And so if we were to begin to do that, then we'd be doing it without authority. And we, again, throw out any other uh, complaints that we could have with any other uh, work that someone might want to suggest. Because if we don't have authority for it, then they don't have authority for it. What's the difference? Yeah. Now, um, we're going to hang on to that point because we're going to talk here in a minute about missionary societies and sponsoring churches. And remember what we just said. Anything that tries to get the church working at a level higher than the local congregation cannot be scriptural. Remember that. We'll, talk, we'll, we'll apply that here in, in, in just a few minutes. Monty. You know, if you look in Second John uh, verse 9, it says, Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So it's telling us that there's doctrinal teachings that's been set forth. We know the apostles was transmitting that those teachings to us. And if we're going outside of what we can find in the New Testament, then we don't have God. We're not doing what God wants. Uh, so if we're trying to do something to acu- activate the universal church and we can't read about that in the teachings of Christ or the apostles, then we're not abiding in those teachings. We've gone outside. We're not doing God's will anymore. Okay. All right. right. To the question. Uh, well, let's take a break, Jay. We're up to a break time. Oh, let's grab a break, and then when we come back, let's, let's talk specifically about evangelism. All right. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration, there it stands. The flames are kindled against it, there it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it, there it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment, there it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away, there it stands. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Religion is no different than other things. The less you invest in it, the poorer the quality. There's a tendency for people to credit themselves with their own successes, but to blame God for their failures. Expressing thanks is necessary, not because God needs our thanks, but because we need to be thankful. Wild oats need no fertilizer. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight as we talk about the work of the church and in evangelism and edification. And you asked the question about the universal church. Is there any authorized way that the universal church can work? To that question, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia said, The universal extension of the church is the saved relationship in Christ into which all individ- or which individuals are baptized 1 Corinthians 12:13 It has no collective organization or function therefore it has no collective work. I think you're right, Kent. I think All that's right. exactly right. Okay. Uh are you keeping up with the chat room? I, I am. Kevin is doing a roll call in the chat room asking where our listeners are tonight in the chat room. So sign in there. DR is listening from Daytona, Florida. Wow, thanks. Right. Thanks, DR. And uh, Kevin has said, um, some folks recognize the general evangelism required in the first phrase of Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Then stop with that statement, striving to give themselves any and all latitude for what they wish to do. While the rest of the passage sends us uh, to other details to teach those that are taught to believe specific things. Kevin references Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So but I think that's really good, Kevin, because notice the disciples, they were to make the disciples, then they were to tell the disciples to observe all I have commanded you. So that's a, a strong, powerful statement about the need for authority in, in our religious practice. Yeah, all right. exactly right. Thank you, Kevin. All right, let's talk about evangelism. I, and I, I simply ask, 
while we agree that I think everybody agrees the church should be spreading the gospel, and that's what we typically mean by evangelism. We mean to teach and convert the lost. What about authority for the church to engage in such work? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. I'm going to do this real quick because I don't think anybody argues the point. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15 says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. So if the church is the pillar and ground of the truth, they're obviously going to be proclaiming that truth, defending that truth, upholding that truth. We even have some very powerful examples of local congregations in the first century engaging in works of evangelism. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, the Apostle Paul talks about the church at Philippi that had been regular in helping and supporting him as he went about his preaching work. In Philippians 1, verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. We'll look a little bit later in chapter 4. He specifically mentions them sending to his necessities. And so uh, there's the church at Philippi was supporting Paul as he went about preaching the gospel. Clearly, they were engaged in the work of evangelism. In 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 8, it says that the church at Thessalonica sounded out the word of the Lord. And so, again, I, I, I don't think we have to go to great lengths to prove that. I think everybody accepts that. But it's good to just say, well, are we sure that's what we ought to be doing? And the answer of that to that, of course, is absolutely positively yes. Okay. Now, the issue really is not should we be evangelizing. The issue is how to do it. Is there an exclusive pattern for the church to follow in doing work of evangelism? Or can we just go about it any way we want to? You know, uh, I think, obviously, when we consider everything the New Testament has to say about this, that clearly there is a described pattern for doing the works of evangelism. And we need to repeat, it's either there is authority for exactly how we ought to do it, or... Anything and everything goes. There's no middle ground. If, if, yeah, that's right. If, if there's not an exclusive pattern to follow in evangelism, and you can do it any way you want, and, and since there's no real locked-in pattern, you can do it any way you want. We could hire a troop of clowns to hold parades down in, through downtown and call it evangelism. We Wait could a wild ride. We could ride wild mm-hmm. bulls. Yeah. You know, you're making some hyperbole there, but that actually occurs. I'm, the bulls for sure, and probably the clown. Yeah. Uh, parade as well people are doing some of these things is it acceptable yeah we we, you know we have we have a big denominational group in nashville not far from us that has indoor bull riding to to attract crowds so they can i assume they're doing it so that they can dump a little gospel on them before, before the bull riding ends and I think most people would say that's pretty outrageous. That's across the line there. But why? If there's what no pattern, line? yeah, you know, why not? Okay. So we're taking the position that there is a specific, detailed pattern for how the church is to go about evangelism. Now, I want to walk through this as quickly but carefully. First of all, a a a church can can support an evangelist to work among them locally. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 14, 1 Corinthians 9, 14, Paul says, the Lord has ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And so a local church can pay a preacher to be among them, to work with them, to evangelize. Of course, all Christians have the responsibility to spread the gospel. That great commission that Kevin mentioned in the chat room a minute ago, applies to us all so every christian is working to do as much as they can to reach out to the lost they can bring in a man to devote his whole energies to that an evangelist who will work with them uh full time and there's authority in the scriptures for the local church to pay the preacher uh and our authority would be first corinthians 9 verse 14 so that would be one that would be one way one pattern of which we could imitate, and many churches, most churches, in fact, do that. Teaching, hire a preacher to work among them who can be, devote all of his energies to evangelism. That's certainly scriptural. Now, another element of this overall pattern of evangelism is a church 
can send support to a preacher who's working in another field of endeavor. Maybe sometimes I think the modern terminology is a mission field. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a here's a, a church well established, uh, uh, and it has resources at its disposal. And there's a preacher who's preaching over there, trying to to convert Christians in a in a new place, in a distant place, maybe. Philippi is an example of a church that was doing that very thing. We already mentioned them, but read from Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once again to my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Okay. And so... Here was Philippi sending money to Paul. Paul wasn't in Philippi at that point in time. He was in Corinth. Or, or, or in Thess- he mentions being in Thessalonica. When he departed from Macedonia, when he was in Thessalonica, he said, you sent once again to my necessity. So we have an authorized way to get this work of evangelism done. And then... One other thing, one other nuance that we would add to this, and we're just trying to describe the overall pattern. It might be the case that that guy who's preaching over there in that new place, maybe in a hard place, there's, uh, he, and, and this church can't supply everything he needs, multiple churches might send to him. They send directly to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8, Paul says, I, he's talking. He's writing to the Corinthians. While he was at Corinth, he said, "I robbed other churches, plural, taking wages of them to do you service." And so, in that instance, more than one church—we don't know who they all might have been—but more than one church was sending support to Paul while he labored in Corinth. Always, it was a church in a direct, one-on-one relationship with the receiving preacher. If it's a preacher working within the local congregation. Obviously, they have a direct relationship. When it's one church supporting a preacher in a distant field, like Philippi did with Paul when he was in Thessalonica, straight to Paul, one-on-one. When there were multiple churches, Paul said, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service when he was in court. Again, we would argue direct from the sending churches to the receiving preacher to do this work of evangelism. All right. Now, we think that that is the sum total of information available to us about how the Lord wants this work done. I want to stress again, here we're, just, we're, we're, we're focusing on how churches get money to preachers. But I want to emphasize again, preachers are not the only ones who are supposed to be doing evangelism. Right. Every Christian is to do evangelism. But, but in regards to actively in supporting the preaching of the gospel through evangelists, these are the way it's done. All right. 877-381-4567. Kent says the New Testament of Christ is God's divine revelation of exclusive truth. Such serves as a divine pattern to follow. Therefore, New Testament teaching regardless or regarding evangelism serves as the exclusive pattern for both individual Christians and the local church to follow. So he says you need to follow the pattern. Mohan in Illinois chimes in tonight, and he says there's no exclusive methodology for individuals in the church to evangelize. And so Mohan's addressing individuals, how individuals might evangelize. He says, I believe that methods such as giving out gospel tracts on the streets and attempting to engage others in conversation and set up Bible studies, going door to door, using opportunities at work and in our daily lives to turn the conversation to God and inviting others to church are all valid methods of evangelism. The important thing is to have the right message and to use a method which is godly. Thank you, Mohan, for your comments tonight. And certainly good ways that we can be evangelizing and, and as individuals. And a lot of what Mohan is describing there is what individual Christians might do in their efforts to reach out sure. to the lost, like going door to door, passing out tracts, and so forth. And certainly we agree that all local Christians need to be working. But when it comes to our collective work, that's what we're especially emphasizing in our discussion tonight. When we work together collectively as a local congregation, how do we use our resources to try and further the work of the gospel? We're all trying on an individual basis to do all that we can. We, we, can, we can plan things like we were talking earlier we, we, here at College View. We have this annual 
community Bible study. We might have gospel meetings as we typically do here. And uh, churches have vacation Bible school, uh, uh, so forth. All of those things that we do, but but how we fund evangelism, especially in regards to how we work as a local congregation to promote the spread of the gospel. We're saying there is an exclusive pattern there for how the church especially gets support money to preachers. All right. We're going to get a break, and we'll get back to the discussion on the other side. They're still signing in the chat room. Linda's in Dixon, Tennessee. Nikki's in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Where are you listening tonight? Let us know in the chat room, and we'll be back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, my name is Jack. I am eight years old, and this is Vulture Bible Study. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Frank Himmel. If only my boss wouldn't be so rude and domineering, I would be more cooperative at work. But the Word of God says, 1 Peter 2, verse 18, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Well, if only my husband weren't so lazy and self-centered, if only he would learn to control his temper better, I would love him more. But the Word of God says in 1 Peter 3, beginning verse 1, Wives, be submissive to your husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the Word, they may be one without a word as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Well, if only my brethren were friendlier and that preacher not so dry, I'd go to church more often. But the Word of God says in Hebrews 10, beginning verse 24, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Well, if only I had more income and less bills, I'd give a lot more. But the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 8, beginning verse 1, In the churches of Macedonia, in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Well, if only my family would be more supportive, I would become a Christian. But the Word of God says in Matthew 10, verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now, taking that all together, do you notice that what God expects of us, he expects of us regardless of our particular circumstances? Instead of excusing ourselves due to adverse conditions, let us commit ourselves to our creator and benefactor. If only we would be like Jesus who said, quote, I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me, John 5, verse 30. He not only said it, he lived it even to the point of death. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Check out our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and uh, send us a message at any time, questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you, uh, and we'd love to talk with you about the Scriptures. Uh, in the chat room tonight, Jeff is listening in Livingston, Tennessee, and we've got a guest 780 listening in Red Wing, Minnesota. Great to have uh, you with us tonight. Way up north tonight. Thank you for listening and uh, for chiming in on the program. And DR in the chat room says, um, you guys put me back on your email list, so now I get a reminder when the study is live, so oh, that's he, been oh, helpful. Oh, I read that wrong. I read that wrong. So you did you take, back did you take DR off the list? I don't know that I did. I don't know. I, uh, and I sent him a private message just to say, send me your email uh, address. No, you're, you were on. Yeah, he, he's, he's getting it now, or okay. she, he or okay. she is getting All it. Right. But uh, DR said you may have take, taken them off. So Yeah, well, I guess you don't, purge your, you don't purge your email oh, list. Oh, no, right? we have not purged your email so list. So maybe check your spam folder if you're not getting those anymore. Yeah, uh, guess 780 in Red Wing, Minnesota. You know, they. Uh, I think summer in Red Wing, Minnesota is going to be on July 15th this year. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a good time to be in Red Wing, Minnesota right now. Yeah, so good. They're falling out up there. All right. All right. All right. So we're talking about the work of evangelism, how it's to be done. We tried to describe what we think clearly is the New Testament pattern. It's all we can find in the New Testament about how churches collectively worked in their local congregations to get evangelism done. But men have invented a couple of well, probably more than a couple, but a couple we want to wait, a couple of methodologies that we want to talk about tonight that are not scriptural. One of those is a missionary society. Okay, and this has been an issue uh, that has been very divisive among churches going back more than a hundred years ago, among churches of Christ. Uh, even Alexander Campbell uh, was way off on this. 
Uh, he was the first president of what was known as the American Christian Missionary Society. And those fellows, Alexander Campbell included, said, you know, we need to do a bigger work of evangelism. We need to get the gospel out in a, in a more effective way. And so what they did is they set up a, a board of directors identified as this American Christian Missionary Society, and they had churches send money to this man-made organization. And then these directors of this organization made decisions about how the money would be spent. We'll send this preacher to such and such a place and that one to another place, and we'll send him so much money, we'll send somebody else so much. But this overseeing board of directors was making the decisions about how this evangelism would be done. Now, remember our, our opening comments about the universal church has no organization. There is no work that the, that the universal church does. And if you see someone trying to get the universal church in a functioning role, you ought to see red flag. Man, there's red flags all over that missionary society approach because they're clearly trying to get something, a, a functioning unit bigger than a local congregation. They're, they're clearly trying to get such work done in that way it's just wrong right read your new testament through where on earth would you ever find anything in the new testament that suggests a missionary society for doing this work of evangelism and and so here here you see uh, men were way off on it but, and, and unfortunately those kinds of methodologies are still being used even among churches of christ those mission those those types of organizational structures are still being used. They're unscriptural. Uh, some of our listeners may be familiar with World Bible School. Many churches of Christ support an organization called World Bible School. It's a missionary society. It's not authorized. It's 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 a a a, a board of men who've established themselves to take in funds from churches and then make their decisions about how that money should be spent. It's just absolutely unscriptural. Uh, it's, it's a separate, unauthorized organization. It's not the local church, and it is designed to try to activate the universal church, and it's wrong in every case. And it's not because you just think it's a bad idea or you don't like the organization, you disagree with the board of directors. It's because there's no authority. There's no authority for it. But, you know, even it, it, maybe even at a more basic level, it tends to to, I think it insults the wisdom of God to say, we can come up with a better plan here to do evangelism. We, we, we've got a better plan than God had. We're going to establish this missionary society organization to do this work. I, I think it's a direct affront to the wisdom of God, who said the local church is the unit of work that he, working unit that he wants to, to do this job. All right, send us an email, sign in the chat room, or give us a call tonight if you have comments you'd like to share on the program. Kent says missionary societies and or parachurch organizations are organizations that do not have the right to exist. Therefore, they are unscriptural in their work. And I think that would be exactly right. You know, as I heard it put one time, there's the church and there's the work the church is supposed to be doing. And this missionary society is an organization standing in between the church and the work it's supposed to be doing. So we don't need it in there. It's getting in the way. Exactly right. I think you're exactly right, Monty. Now, going back close to 75 years ago now, 60 to 75 years ago, 60, 70, 75 years ago, there were some brethren in Churches of Christ who agreed there's no place for that missionary society. Now, that's just not scriptural. You can't, you can't find any such organization in the page of the New Testament. But what you can find in the New Testament are elders. Mm-hmm. And so... What they decided they would do, instead of having churches send to a missionary society, they said, we're going to take this one congregation, and we're going to call this the sponsoring church. For instance, let's say we want to take the the gospel to Argentina. Mm -hmm. So we want to send preachers, and it's going to cost money for for supplies, materials, and, and preachers to go to Argentina. And so we're going to establish... Congregation X here as the sponsoring church because they have elders and they have a heart for evangelism and they have a heart for evangelism and elders are supposed to oversee things. Right. Then we're going to get other congregations to send money to Congregation X and that Congregation X, then the elders of that congregation will be the overseers. 
and the decision makers about how this money will be spent to do the work of evangelism. Mm -hmm. And this then is described as a sponsoring church arrangement. Uh, a, a, a Maybe a, an example of it that some of our listeners will remember was the, the Herald of Truth mm-hmm. radio and television programs. That There was an interest in getting gospel preaching on radio and television all across uh, the United States. Uh, and uh, Highland Avenue Church in Abilene, Texas, made themselves the, the sponsoring church of that endeavor. Churches, thousands of churches from all over sent money to that church because putting a, putting on a nationwide TV program is a really expensive proposition. Thousands of congregations sent money to that church, and their elders oversaw uh, that program, Herald of Truth. Again, think about it. Think about it in regards to our initial comments tonight. It was an effort to activate the universal church. It was an effort to get a working consolidation larger than a local congregation to do this work of evangelism. There's no authority for it. When you think about it, those elders in the sponsoring churches were taking on a work bigger than their own local work. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, as we mentioned earlier, limits elders to the oversight of their own local congregations. Those, those elders in those sponsoring churches had no authority to take on a work bigger than their own, own local congregations. So the, the, the sponsoring church was guilty of taking on something they weren't authorized to do. And the sending churches were actually surrendering oversight to the sponsoring church. Uh, all wrong. Uh, it simply uh, violates the principles of local church autonomy, uh, and it's again an attempt to activate the local, uh, the universal church, rather, the lo- universal church. All right. Uh, let us hear your thoughts on the program tonight. We need uh, to take another break. Uh, and, and Kent, by the way, Kent says quickly sponsoring churches oh. or centralized control violate the concept of local autonomy and are wrong. And, th- and that gets ex- to the root of it. That's the problem. It does violate autonomy, and uh, and it's not authorized. Okay. When we get a break and get to edification, we'll yeah. get back. When we come back, we want to talk quickly about the work the church has to do to edify, build up, strengthen those who are already Christians. We're going to have to go fast on this yeah. one. All right, here we go. Let's take a break, and we'll get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey showed that a vast majority of Americans, nearly 80%, believe in miracles. The study shows that young adults, the so-called millennial generation, don't attend church services regularly, are less inclined to express religious preference or affiliation than their elders, but profess widespread belief in the afterlife, in heaven and hell, and in miracles. That information is via the Pew Forum on Religion. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning verse 8, Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back as we talk about the work of the church evangelism. We talked about that. Again, not our likes, not our preferences. What does the Scripture authorize? We want to do only what the Scripture authorizes. In fact, that's what we've been commanded to do. Now on to edification. That's a fancy word. What are you talking about there? Edification. When we talk about edification, we're just talking about strengthening or building up those who are already Christians. Okay. Uh, and and our first observation is certainly this is something the church has been assigned to do. Kent gave a good verse along this line in Ephesians 4. Beginning verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers notes for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. So notice, God made provision for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, let all things be done unto edification. Uh, we did this 
in Acts 2, just after the church began, there was a there was clear attention paid to strengthening the Christians. Acts 2:46, they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking their house, uh, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness, singing with heart. So notice they were continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Verse 42 says they were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And so there's there's both command, instruction, approved example of the church doing work in evangelism. Uh, I'll get this right. Doing work in benevolence. How about edification? I'm going to say that right in a minute. There's clear command and and uh, example of the church working in the field of edification. I want to say and that benevolence. Right. And benevolence. Yeah, I mean, you were ben- saying it's true statements. Too, we're, we're just not, not talking, talking about, about that. Yeah, we're yeah. not talking about benevolence right. okay. tonight. Okay. So. How's this, how's this building up of Christians? How is this supposed to take place? Well, it's not, in other words, I might say to you, Jacob, uh, let's have lunch tomorrow. Uh, uh, and, and, and while we're together, we'll talk about some spiritual things, maybe read a few Bible verses and pray together. You know, all Christians should be interested in building up their fellow Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think actually that it's an assignment that we have that that we're supposed to be paying attention to one another and and uh, doing things that would encourage one another. Uh, Hebrews three verse thirteen: Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So certainly individual Christians can engage in this work. That's not our question. Our question is how would the church go about? doing edification Uh, people have decided that the way we edify is by enjoying recreation together having social events having entertainments we want we want the young people to be encouraged and so we're going to have the church pay for them to take a trip to six flags so they have a lot of fun at the amusement park and we think that by by that process, these kids will be built up because they're going to be spending time together, and so that's a good thing, I suppose. And so we'll take them to the we'll let the church pay to take them to Six Flags, and what a good thing that will be. Uh, we think it's good for Christians to associate with one another, so we're the church is going to build a a big hall, a big dining hall, and we're going to equip it with a full blown kitchen. Uh, we're going to let the church spend money to f- build and maintain this facility to organize and to promote fellowship dinners in the church fellowship hall. But you know what really is fun is if Christians can get together and play basketball. Mm-hmm. So when we build this big hall, we're going to make it tall and we're going to have the tables so you can clear them out. And we're going to have basketball goals that will drop down Ooh, wow. so we can play basketball in there. Okay. Because what a fun thing to play basketball together. And right. just, again, by spending time together, we think Christians are benefited in that process. And so we're going to have the church do that work. Now, again, if you're just talking about what you like, you can go along with any of that if it's just what you like. Yeah. And even if you think maybe it sounds like a good idea, you could go along with that. But back to the original point, if we don't have authority for it, then we have to let anything and everything go. Yeah. Uh, And so our response to all of those kinds of church-organized, social, recreational, entertainment activities, our our response to that is that the Lord never authorized the church to be in that sort of a business. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, the Apostle Paul condemn the Corinthian church because they were coming together in common meals and they were even abusing that. And he he clearly pointed out that this is a realm of individual activity not and the church is not authorized to be engaged in it. 1 Corinthians 11, 22, have you not houses to eat and drink in or despise ye the church of God? Shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. In verse 34, he said, if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And so to a church that was maybe heading in that direction, Paul clearly told them, don't be doing that. That's not the work of the church. 
Now we can we can meet together in one another's homes. We can enjoy one another's company. We can eat together, but it's not the work of the church to be right. organizing those sorts of things. Yep. The Lord never authorized it. I think it perverts the nature of the church. The church is a spiritual body, and the edification that the church is to be doing is a, a spiritual edification. And we're edified by the Word of God, not by eating donuts together. Okay. Uh, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. The gospel has power. The gospel will build us up. We we need to engage in the gospel, not in social and recreational entertainment activities. And the and the evident, you know, uh, sometimes you, uh, the the fruit of a thing will will show whether it's good or not. And this this business of the church being involved in these kinds of activities has an evil fruit. And it's provoked all kinds of compromise in local congregations. And, and some churches have just completely gone off the rails uh, in regards to these kinds of programs in the local church. It's not authorized, and, and there's no basis for it in Scripture. I like what Kent says about it. He says, social recreation and entertainment, no, though not necessarily wrong, is not spiritual edification, therefore is not the work of the local church. Such is the work of the individual, 17, 2 John, verse 9. I think that's really a point to stress there. In other words, is it good to take the young folks to Six Flags? Well, sure. Six Flags is a fun place to go. But it's not the work. That, let, let parents and families engage in that kind of work. Because is it's, it, it's, it's, as Ken said, it's not spiritual edification. Yeah. Uh, no one is stronger. Or no, more, no one learns more about what God wants them to do because they went and rode a roller coaster. Yeah, exactly right. You know, I think a a problem we run into there gets kind of back into defining terms again because a lot of these uh, buildings that they build that she's talking about, they'll refer to that as their fellowship hall. And the fellowship they're talking about is these social, recreational, uh, sharing common meal activities. When we read the New Testament, fellowship is a joint participation in a spiritual activity or work. It's got nothing to do with recreation, entertainment, or sharing a meal. It's got to do with worshiping together, uh, work, sharing in that work, like we was talking about, about supporting preachers to preach. That's We have fellowship with them in that. But that's, not, but that's spiritual work. That's not physical, carnal activities. Guest 780 puts it pretty nicely in the chat room. Bible study is organized edification. Yeah, and the church is authorized, for instance, to have Bible classes because it does accomplish that purpose of spiritual edification. Yeah. That's that's the church carrying out its assigned work. We said the church is authorized to do it, and that's a method that we can employ uh, an expedient means to accomplish that end, to do what's authorized. If the church is to be sponsoring meals and recreation and social activities we would have to find a place in the scriptures that authorizes it. And without any authorization, it is therefore unacceptable and not a work the church needs to be involved in. Yeah. Good. Jacob, there's uh, some comments we kind of yeah, skip sure. there. In the, uh, in the chat room tonight, uh, and this goes back to evangelism. So let's wrap up. Uh, a lot of these are about evangelism. So let's uh, let's wrap up uh, the edification talk, uh, okay. here, and then we'll get to those comments. Okay, okay. We'll go back to those in just a minute. Uh, so, the the last part of this and the last question we asked was, may separate institutions like camps, retreats, student centers, Christian colleges, and so forth be maintained by churches with the claim that they're doing? Well, uh, again, there's no authority for those. Those, are, those would be man-made institutions supplanting the role of the church. The church is all sufficient to do the work God gave it to do. We don't need a man-made organization to do something because the church is not capable of doing what God wanted the church to do. The church has no authority to maintain separate institutions to do the work that God gave it to do. That would be true of a so-called Christian camp, but it would also be true of a so-called Christian college. That has been a big divisive issue among churches in past decades, can churches support Christian colleges? The argument was made, we can because the colleges are teaching young people the Bible. I suppose maybe they did teach maybe. the Bible as, as, a, as, a side, as a sidebar, but primarily they were in the secular education. They're business. not doing much Bible teaching these days. Yeah, and and again, we would say uh, it's, it's, it, it's a... 
uh, without authority. Uh, it's the church pawning off its work on a, on a man-made institution. Again, it's, it, it tries to activate something larger or different than a local congregation, and that's the functioning uh, organization that God wants his work to be done through. Kent says, no, camps, colleges, retreats, and student centers are organizations different from the local church and cannot accomplish what the local church is divinely designed to do and must never be a part of the local church. Those are individual enterprises. Yeah, now if I want to have a camp, and if I want to, you know, if I want to get some kids together and say, let's go camping, and maybe while we go camping, we'll talk about spiritual. I can do that as an individual. I have, I, I have that authority. But the church doesn't have that authority. Okay. You know, again, it boils down to you've got the work of the church, and you've got the church, and you've got all these things we was just talking about standing in between the work of the church. If it's the work of the church, the church needs to do it, and we don't need to clutter up the work with all this other stuff. All right. In the chat room, DR from Florida says, A lot of my friends don't understand that they need authority in Scripture. When this happens, where can I go or rather say to them, saying we don't have authority, might not cover it. Is there perhaps something else I might be able to say about missionaries or maybe missionary societies? Uh, so I guess DR's friends don't agree that you need to have authority. What can DR say to them? Well, I, 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 probably you got to back up way back beyond the question of missionaries or supporting preachers to, to take the gospel. And and you you got to really build the argument for Bible authority generally, uh, and talk about how it's established and how it's applied. Then you can use evangelism as a specific case study of how to apply Bible authority. But if your friends don't have a, a commitment to authority, then you're probably wasting your breath to argue that that there's that, uh, there's no authority for a missionary society. There's no authority for a missionary society when they're not committed to Bible authority anyway. So probably, DR, you got to back up. Lay some groundwork. Lay some groundwork. Good, good comment. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kevin says, seems like man's logic on that needs to be kept in check. Okay, no, he says, Kevin says, autonomy seems to lend towards smaller churches while man's own good own sense of good seems to point toward collective yeah, efforts. Uh, men have always just th- thought bigger is better. we got to get big. we got to have a nationwide effort, and local churches can't do that, so... God's plan's not very good. We got a better one. Let's get bigger. Kevin says, seems like man's logic on that needs to be kept in check in business since we have antitrust laws to keep businesses from getting too large. Man seems to think bigger is better, but the Tower of Babel is condemned as a collective work that God needed to intervene, even to the point of uh, overriding the language man speaks. All this to say that sometimes man focuses on bigger churches, which tends to water down the gospel so that large groups can be maintained or increased. That is why we need to take care in following the, or following my think so and follow God's pattern through study. Lack of study breeds ignorance of why we do or do not do some things. Very good, good, good comments, Kevin. Thank you for those. Great to have you on in the. And he room, says Kevin. he would go to your camp if you had one. Okay. So you guys, your first customer. Maybe we need to organize that. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Dr. says that's true. A lot have stopped studying, which makes it even harder to reach people. I've always tried hard to reach people on their level. But when their level isn't God's word, what can you do? You don't have a, a common ground to stand on there, yeah. DR. Yeah, it's well, and, and like we said earlier, it's trying to play a ball game when people are not agreeing to the rules. Yeah, you, you can't play a you can't play a ball game that way, and you certainly can't do God's work with, unless people agree to the rules. All right, Monty, any final thoughts from you tonight? Well, as we've been talking about tonight, and we've talked about this really a lot on the virtual Bible study, the need for authority. We've got to do what the Bible says, the way the Bible says, do it. Because uh, that's what God's given us the instruction for. And if, when we get outside that, then we really don't have any rules. Yes, absolutely. And uh, the, the, anything and everything has to go. Yeah. And a lot of people are unwilling to swallow that pill, but that is the result or the end of the road that you begin to go down. If you say, I don't have authority for this, but I want to do it anyways because it seems like a good idea to me. Yeah. All right. Dad, any comments? I, I think it's an important uh, important thing. And I think, and I know for a fact that we've got some folks who listen to the virtual Bible study who might have some question about something that we've said tonight, or maybe it's something that they had not considered before. 
if there's additional questions, if we need to spend more time on any of this, we'd be glad to You've do got so just let us know. Lots of material you can provide over email. Sure. We would be willing to sit down and study and uh, whatever it takes. We'd yeah. like to talk. Yeah. All right. Thanks for your comments tonight, Deb. Thanks, Jake. Thank you for being a part of the program, and we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.